Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of One More Minute. It's me, your host, Monique. And today I have a very special guest with me. And so as I was thinking of someone that I could feature on my podcast, this person was the first person to come to mind. I love talking to women and people who are in transit. It's a reminder that we're all yet still evolving. And the person that came to mind is none other than Tiffany Latrice Williams. So who is Tiffany? Who is she? She is a movement builder, an art and creative entrepreneur, advisor. She's also a dreamer and a doer. She's a fashionista. She's a Beyonce lover. She's an evolver. She's a Sagittarius. This is all of that. She's the owner of Tila Studios, created to support a niche yet powerful community of Black women, artists nationwide. Her overall goal is to build an inclusive art economy so that Black women artists are building thriving, sustainable careers. She believes that the key to building thriving communities is to start at the micro, local, and grassroots level in order to build an organic trust to create micro, macro level impact. And so if you're not familiar with who Tiffany is, she's sat on many stages. She's worked with many a brand, including 2190, Art Basel, Sweet Green, and she's been featured in Forbes. I also am so privileged to call her a friend. So before we get started and I have her, you know, we start our conversation, I have to just kind of tell you all how we met. So Tiffany and I met in New York City. Uh, that was, what, 10 years ago now, which is really crazy. Uh, we were part of the NBC Page program, two Southern girls, both with large personalities, and we were kind of just drawn to each other. I'm from Miami. She's from Tennessee. And we kind of just clicked. We both lived in Harlem. i never forget one day in the Page program. We walked from 30 Rock all the way to Harlem. I think we got some snacks along the way. I don't even know how long that was, but we literally walked and talked the entire way. We would go to house party together. together. Now, we both live in Atlanta. Tiffany is my girl. I'm so proud of her. So it just makes sense that she would be on the One More Minute podcast. So, Tiffany, um, before you get started, did I miss anything? Oh, my God. That was probably the best introduction ever. I wish I could just take you around with me and have you introduce me. <laughs> that was so thorough. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. It's a beautiful space you've created with uh, One More Minute that's given me a lot of um, space to be seen fully, especially when I feel lost. I usually listen to your podcast when I'm driving or in transit somewhere. So to be a guest on this podcast and just be a part of your journey is so great. I'm so grateful for it. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to hear to have you. This makes my heart is warm. Life comes full circle. So before I ask you some questions, tell us about yourself. Who is Tiffany Latrice Williams? Yeah, I think um, in this phase of my life, I'm 32 years old. I feel like I'm reinventing who I am and not trying to define myself by my work, but who I want to be and the woman I want to be in the world. And that is coming back to who I am as an artist. Um, so finding myself in my paintings that are representational, they're self-portraits, as well as finding myself in my writing um, and, and writing poetry and writing uh, a book um, and just being a voice, a voice of Black girlhood, Black womanhood, and championing that through actually, through my actual professional work. So with Tila, um, supporting Black women, and then with National Black Arts, actually champion Black um, artists nationwide across six artistic disciplines. So to me, it's like soul work. So everything I do needs to be in alignment with the woman I'm trying to be and then who I want to be in the world. I love that. You, you kind of touched on some questions I have for you. That was amazing. Um, I mean, it's just amazing. You're incredible. Um, and so to that point, I think that anybody 
that meets you would, would agree like a beam of light, right? Like any, I feel like anything you touch is like shines. I've seen you work with all types of people. You're not afraid to talk to, you know, the person in the room that people aren't gravitating towards. I feel like people are like drawn to you. You have like this contagious energy, whether you're smiling or laughing that people like gladly catch. I feel like, you know, when you think about life and like artistic form or, you know, in, imagine, in an imaginative, imaginative way, um, you kind of, with the light that you carry, like illuminates and shines through everything that you do. Um, and again, to that point, like the light, you touch everybody that you meet. So how did you find the beauty in your light? And how did you get there? That's such a great question. Um, I just read on Instagram today, Dr. Key, who I follow a lot, and I love her tweets. I think they're so digestible. And something that she said today was that anybody who, who is shining brightly has overcome some dark past or some dark history. And I think, you know, for every like peak we see that a person um, witnesses, there's a valley that they have to overcome. And so, you know, you were actually a part of that that valley. I think being in New York City, um, I was in a six and a half year relationship that wasn't actually advancing my life or my career. I was going to be a VP of a media company, a wife, and a pregnant lady, essentially. And those were all things that I'd never imagined for myself at 25. And while I thought that's what, what I wanted, it, it wasn't. And, um, and then also just seeing the way my parents had lived their life and gone through multiple divorces um, and marriages, I was just like, this is not the end for me. Um, and so actually the biggest thing that I think that makes me shine bright is like my ability to be resilient when things come at me full force um, and have a resounding grace to deal with it. And sometimes like I just have this capacity to just get really still and quiet and know that like, this is not the end for me. Like God put me on this earth to do something more. And I think like, um, before I left New York, you had came back to New York on June 27th. And I don't know what you were doing, but that was like the worst day for me. I, mm -hmm. I was, it was my last day at NBC. I was actually, um, on my way. I don't even know if I told you this. I actually got pregnant. Um, like right before I was supposed to leave New York city. Wow had an abortion that day and I was I was literally moving two days later and so like all these things just kind of like hit me like a pile of rocks and I was like what what the fuck is going on um this might be TMI but it that moment of just like complete loss just helped me find like the woman that I wanted to become and I had to do a lot of shedding like in the past seven years I've just shed so much of who I thought I was going to be to arrive at that light so when I shine bright it's like there was a lot of triumph in that, you know, there was a lot of like confrontation of what a woman is, um, what a woman can be, who is she, who she is with or without a man, who is she in her work, who is she in her body and her spirit? Cause I've gained weight <laughs> since I left New York. So I've just feel like I've had to confront so many of tr truths that I tried to hide or ignore that I just had to in the darkness. Um, and so I feel really good and comfortable right now in sharing those the reality of my experience because I think so many people try to hide and from it and it's so many people actually have the same experiences as me and I don't think I'm unique in in that regard at all you brought up a really great point um I feel like for me the pandemic I have just had to do a you know for the non-save people they call it shadow work right where you <laughs> yeah. do, do like some deep digging and you really kind of like 
going to those areas of your life that you don't like to talk about or those things you like to hide and you really like pull them out and confront them and have a conversation with them. Like, you know, you have to un- undo things that you thought would happen or things that you thought that you wanted. Um, and I think that that is like, like the pivotal part of womanhood, even like gaining weight. I feel like, you know, me and you both were always eating a salad and, you know, meal prepping and very drinking water. Girl, what you got? I got a salad. Okay, cool, girl. So I understand like we're connected in that. And I feel like once you accept like those ugly truths about yourself, yeah. uh, it, you really learn how to shine. In the words of my favorite blogger, um, Funky Dineva, he always say, you ain't gonna spray me with my own tea. So, so that means you can't spray me with, you know, the things that I've been through because I don't already been through them and that's why I'm standing tall. So that was, that was beautiful. So now that you come out of that and, you know, you talk about your light, you know, your light has to recharge constantly. How do you make sure that your light doesn't dim again? Like how do you stay in that luminous That's such a a great question. Um, I think it was in 2017 when I was just starting Tila my leadership coach set me down and she said, Tiffany, you can't do everything at once. You have a lot of life to live. You just need to have extreme focus on the task at hand. So while you want to paint, painting is not something that you can do right now. And so I listened to her and it was the best advice for me at that moment. But I became so consumed with work and obsessive that my relationships were sacrificed, my familial relationships were sacrificed, um, me as a person, like I just completely lost myself in Tila and who I was in relationship to my work mm-hmm. that it wasn't until the pandemic that actually caused me to just pause that I went on my first residency in five years. I never, I hadn't picked up a faint, paintbrush since 2014 mm-hmm. and I sat down in Paris, Tennessee. So it was like a homecoming returning home and I photographed myself in a yellow room butt-ass naked, fat rolls hanging off the side of the corner. And I just saw myself so beautiful and so full and so free. And I couldn't stop crying for five days. And when I came home, I looked at that body of work and I said, that is where I have arrived to liberation. Um, I actually saw myself who, who I was. And the thing that I lost over the years was not being connected to who I am as a human being and what makes me tick, which is my creativity. And so now, once I found that spark again, while I found like the magic in my professional work, now I don't want to lose the joy of me being a creator. So it's been difficult, but I made, I wrote in my plans uh, for 2021, I will take two weeks off per quarter. So I will only work 10 weeks out of the, the, each quarter. And I will go somewhere and travel and either paint work on a personal project. And I've consistently done that since Jan- I did, took a break in January, went away in March. I went away in June. Now I'm away in August. And my work is so much better because of it. And like, I just can't compromise that anymore. And I, um, and to keep my light, as you say, I've every night I decide what I'm going to say no to the next day. So mm-hmm. I make a list of who I'm going to say no to, to keep myself a priority and I draft those emails late at night. So I have the courage to just schedule and send them. So they just go out at eight o'clock in the morning. So I don't even have to renege on myself. It's like the no is already out there. And so it keeps me honest. Mm-hmm. And I've realized my clients or potential clients have respected me for declining opportunities that I just don't have capacity to take because I'm trying to preserve myself. Um, and so that's been like 
super essential to not uh, compromise that anymore because I did it to the detriment of myself um, in 2019. And I like, I can't, I can't go back to that point again. Wow. So you're basically creating boundaries and honoring yourself. That's awesome. You know, that's, I think that comes, especially as a black woman, you're like a Renaissance woman. You do everything. You're like a Jill of all trades. So I think telling people no is one of the hardest things to do. It's like having to tell somebody no is, you know, um, it feels like a piece of you is is torn out of your body because yes. you want to do everything you want to be, you want to be around whether you have capacity or not. But when you're trying to operate at full capacity, quote unquote, with no capacity, your best work doesn't, doesn't really show up. Yes. So really I, I think that's so smart that you said that because I, as a Sagittarius, I'm a little blunt, a little bit, uh, direct and that can either get the best it's a it's a great asset to have when you need to make fast and tough decisions but it's not good when you're running on empty and when I'm running on empty I can come off as a little bit aggressive rude condescending and I had to learn of that about myself and be like okay for me to be the best version and give people grace and actually do um true community work it requires me to be at my best. And so that means saying no, so I can show up for tough decisions, or tough conversations in the best way human possible. Um, because girl, I was out here being like, I was like, what? I can't believe that came out of my mouth. And people would tell me about myself and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm horrible. And it's because I was like, I was pouring from an empty cup, you know, I was just, and, and that's not good for anyone. Um, especially when people look up to you. And I think sometimes as leaders, I forget I have a responsibility and so if I'm not responsible um, and operate with a level of integ- integrity, integrity and respect, then, you know, my work has nothing or a platform to show for it. It's just yeah. like, okay, she's just out here moving and checking and driving and she's not caring for the collective, um, the collective community. And I think that's something that I'm trying to be more mindful of when I do this type of work because... It's it's a sensitive space and a sensitive world. And I think it's our responsibility as Black women to have a certain level um, of intention and um, compassion when we are doing this work. So we yeah, can change I, the system. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, you know, when you think about systematic change, I feel like the space that you're in has been around since the beginning of time, but it's like yes. re-emerging. Yes. You know, when you're providing people access and opportunity, it can be a lot. You know, I think about like spirits, like tugging on you in every direction and Girl. you don't have anything to give. So it can just be, that could be a lot. So I, a lot. <laughs> so you kind of see in operating like your lower self, like emotionally, physically, spiritually, you just, you just showing up just like an empty bag. Like, girl, what you yes. all the time. Exactly. So I love this quote by Audre Lorde. Um, I got it from the best man, but now that I'm grown, I'm like, oh God, Audre was talking directly to me but I feel like this fits you too the quote is if I didn't define myself for myself I would be crunched into other people's fantasies for me and eaten alive Mm -hmm. I feel like you are a woman and you said it earlier who is constantly redefining herself but for yourself um you're just not afraid to pivot um but you also like do the work that you talked about going into isolation and crying for five days and like re-emerging as like this new woman how would you define yourself today um, and what kind of goes into that, like, discovery process? 
Oh my God. Why is that quote in my book? <laughs> it's really? in my, yeah. It's in my curiosity chapter. Um, and wow. yeah, um, that just spoke to me in so many ways. And I completely agree with Audre Lorde. Audre Lorde has been like the North star compass for me. Um, mm because I feel like she just represents a level of womanhood, um, sexuality, confidence, freedom, and her level of thinking is so brilliant that I just feel like everyone needs to have a piece of Audrey. While we have Tony with us and Maya, you know, mm -hmm. you gotta have a little bit of radical Audrey because she's gonna get you to the next level. Yeah. And I think um, my mom told me yesterday on the phone, she's like, Tiffany, what has been so great about you than all of like my kids is that your level of intuition. She said, you have just such a sense of self and a sense of like, you know, what's going to work for you and you know how to overcome those things that you always have to trust that. And so a lot of times I have to decipher if how I'm going to live ambitiously and pivot is, am I, is it heart or mind work? Because mm -hmm. your mind tells you one thing, right? Your mind is telling you to be this, do this on this timeline, but the heart work is what's going to actually help you transcend space and take you to the next level so you have to have a balance of the heart and mind work and so the only way for me to prioritize and allow myself to indulge in new versions of myself is to actually step away from um my orderly uh existence and that's like in mm -hmm. atlanta in my house being consumed with bills so when i come like i'm away in aruba right now I'm able to have a bird's eye view and do that heart work where I can see that my heart work doesn't necessarily always align with my mind, but I can overcome those things because the vision is there. And so how do I just like tap into that vision and not always think about time as linear, but time is always being on my side. So if time is always on your side, you can always reimagine new versions of yourself. Mm. And I really feel like I just have a lot of time. Like I, people think like, okay, Tiffany's doing Tila. Honestly, Monique, I feel like I have like three more careers left. Like I am so excited for like my late thirties and my forties. Like I'm so pumped about it. And I just feel like I'm just on the cusp of who I'm meant to be. Um, and I think like, uh, what's that? I can never, she's like the CMO of Netflix. She was like, oh, Bozeman, Bozeman. Yeah. I don't know if you shared it, but somebody shared it was like, stop giving yourself timelines and like forget timelines and just operate on that level of intuition. Um, I think that's when you just find your stride because you stay in your lane mm -hmm. when you're operating in your t intuition. Oh my gosh, you've been on so many different things that I have been like marinating on, particularly about time. Mm. You know, you turn 30 you know when you're a little girl you have all these imaginary timelines i want kids by 27 i mean you don't even know what that looks like now we now that we're past 27 like Ooh, i don't know what i would have done with kids at that time but sometimes yeah. i feel like you know i'm i'm racing against a clock that doesn't exist mm. um and so the thing about time is that to your point is that you can reinvent yourself as many times as you want to you could fail today and start over tomorrow and you reset the clock and that's just so important to like recognize and to know when you're giving yourself grace and you're like okay you know what I felt today I could do it I could do it better tomorrow and the other part of time is you know things happen when they're supposed to so while you're mm -hmm. you know stressing out about things that don't matter it's not your time but when your time comes you will know so that is mm -hmm. just like so powerful and that gives you like a special level of freedom because then you're not 
the angst of feeling like you're not enough or you don't have it or you're not there and you see other yeah. things happening for other people that does that no longer exists because you realize you run in your own race um and so you said something about intuition for someone out there that is trying to define themselves for themselves and your mom said that you're out of all her children you're the one with intuition how do you build that like you know you don't just wake up one day and be like oh you know I feel like, like, how do you get to that point? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And it started with me um, since I was like in middle school. I've always kept a personal journal. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I've always known my voice, even when people were trying to define my voice for me. So I always discovered it every day when I journaled about my day. When people told me I shouldn't think this or shouldn't do this or wear that, I validated myself through my words in my journal. And I have all my journals, like 30 of them, in an archive in my home that I read to remind myself that I always knew who I was, you know? Mm-hmm. When, um, and so that was really instrumental for me. And then I think the second thing um, that allowed me to find my, my kind of truth and my intuition was through female relationships, like joining a sorority, finding like-minded women, finding you, finding... Um, uh, my friend Ari through the Emma Bowen Foundation, just finding people who have the same level of compassion and thought has been super helpful. And then I think faith. Um, I had lost faith along the way, but I think I rediscovered faith and joined um, my church in East Point, Impact Church. And just being connection in connection to a higher source and a higher power um, as your moral and value compass has given me so much um, faith in um, rootedness that I just have this like authority to move on. Even if I don't have the answer, I know God will provide, my voice will provide, and my friends will provide for me. So all those things make me whole and make me um, kind of like the leader of my life, you know. And I I'm really grateful for that. That I don't know how people operate without faith. Like I don't think I would be here without faith. Um, I don't know how people are here without any level of faith. <laughs> So it, it keeps you in the game. You want to get back. God is, oh my gosh. Sometimes I could be on church on Sunday on my Zoom, just crying and just be like, just thank you, God, for making a way out of no way. Like, because he going to do it. My God. Girl, all the time, all the time. And I used to be so afraid of the God talk, you know, and just be like, because, you know, people have perceptions of artists. Like, you're supposed to be free thinker. You know, you don't belong to anything in the world. No. I love me from God. Okay. Of course. <laughs> what folks did you get your talent from? You ain't just what he had to put it in. He had to, Girl, he had to put it in. He had to pour into me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Speaking of art, so I feel like you're a multifaceted artist. You talk about you're a writer, you're a poet, and you are an actual, you know, artist. Um, when did you start? And what does that mean to you? Like, what does that gift mean to you? Because there's some, there are people that have so many gifts. They don't. Yeah. What? Why is your gift so special? And why won't you? You know, whenever God calls you home, hundred years from now, your your barrel of gifts will be empty. Why are you going to use up your barrel? Why is that important? Mm, such a, oh my God! You keep asking all the the greatest questions. It's, I already knew this was going to be like the greatest podcast I've ever been on. So I'm like, money oh. always takes it there. <laughs> it's not general surface level questions. Uh, I've always been interested. I think my, like looking at myself has been my greatest puzzle piece. 
Mm. Um, and I've always been fascinated with self-portraits. I never forget the first self-portrait I did of myself was in eighth grade, and I won the eighth grade art award for it and got this really cool book. Um, and then I did another self-portrait in high school, and always my representational work has always been my best work. Mm. And through that, I've also got to kind of map out my journey and how I arrive. And I think having such a, a robust body of work over the span of at least my 33, we're going on 33 years of life, I think just shows so much where other women can actually empathize and insert themselves into and see like, okay, this is how Tiffany evolves from tattoos, body size, hair, no hair. How, how do I perceive myself as a woman and who, who is the woman that I want to be? And I hope that, like, I can inspire young girls to be like, you can always be a different version at the time that you want. Like, however version you want to show up for yourself, there's a time and place for it. And don't hide away from that and allow yourself to iterate and change and explore your sexuality, explore your your womanhood, explore having hair and not having hair. I remember I used to love me a weave. Man, I really want to grow my hair out to get a weave so bad, just to, just to, just to have it again. Like, I want my to wig. <laughs> Girl, so I'm just throwing on wigs, but um, I just hope I can give that gift of representation where women can put themselves in my shoes and find a source um, to know that their journey is okay. So what do you think is the best part of being a woman? Oh my God. I think we are so expansive. I just think women, we are the, the creators of humanity and that, that is a gift and a blessing. Um, and it also gives us an entryway of a portal to actually really connect with people on a human level. I don't think there's anyone more compassionate, more resilient, and more defiant than a, than a woman, especially a Black woman. Um, and I just love our ability to nurture. I love being a nurturer. Like, it's one of my greatest things. And I can't wait to be a mom when that time comes. Um, having this little puppy just makes me realize how much I love to nurture. And I think our ability to bring people together, there's no other like group to me that, especially black women that can bring people together in, in a way that we can over food, over dinner, over conversation. Like we are just so bomb at it. And then I think just our ability to show up, even when people haven't poured into us, just us being able to show up for people we love is such a special gift too. And we don't compartmentalize. We can, which is a curse and a blessing, but we are able to see everything in its wholeness. Um, whereas I feel like men operate very linear. I think we see everything in its completeness and its possibility. So I think like, I love that about me. I used to didn't like it, but I'm like, I love it. I think that's what makes you special. I've never really seen you have a bad day. You just, oh, like, just bop around. Now you talk about your mom. You talk about your mom a lot. So if y'all ain't seen Tiffany's mama, because I'm going to give y'all her Instagram socials at the end of this, Tiffany's mama is fine. Okay? She's a baddie. baddie. You talk about, think about, like, Toni Morrison with beautiful dreads and, like, magical with a little bit of sauce from, like, Ava DuVernay. Like, she, your mom is just amazing. I remember, like, when I first met her, I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, face beat, lipstick, hair just done to perfection. How important has your relationship with your mom been, and particularly your sister, Jessica? Because, of course, you have a little brother. We show him love. But I think those two people in your life, I know, because I know you, just have made the greatest impact. Like, how has that affected you? 
Yeah, it. My mom is just so beautiful and regal. She's five ten. Mm-hmm. Was a previous supermodel, um, and the way she was able to defy the odds um, coming out of my her marriage with my dad, which was an abusive relationship. She didn't have her BA. She didn't even have her like her college degree. She was able to get her college degree, get her master's, then get her PhD, and put us all through private school. Wow. And look like a freaking boss doing it. Like, she never missed a beat. And not saying that that was healthy, but just the way she showed up. So when turbulence happened in my life, when I had to come in a crossroads, am I ready to be a mother? Or do I terminate a pregnancy and I show up for myself as a woman and not in this other role? Can I survive and can I defy the odds? And seeing my mom go through what she did and make a life for herself, I was able not to get down and I was able to imagine a new Tiffany, a new Tiffany as an artist, a new Tiffany as an entrepreneur, which is like the life I've always dreamed for myself. If I had a seven-year-old child right now, I would not, I I would not be in Aruba writing a book. You know what I mean? (laughs) I just think that like there's a time and place for everything. And my mom just always showed me that she was able to do that. And with my sister, she's the first black medical doctor in my family um, that is like doing kidney research for kids. And she's a pediatrician. She's fucking brilliant. But my sister did not pass the MCAT like three times. Like she had to defy the odds and keep applying. She took classes at Harvard and she ended up getting into the top medical school and then getting selected for the top residency and is at the top bilingual doctor um, at just 33. And I just was like, whoa and so there's just to see how much I think my sister and my mom were fighters and that like nothing in our past can hold us and that just makes us more human but that's just also what makes us more great so I just like I look at them and just just see their journey and I'm just like yeah like so that happened it's that happened to me but that doesn't define me like me doing that at 25 doesn't define the woman in the family that I am destined to have. And I'm just, I'm so excited about my future. Like, I'm like, yes, I cannot wait to boss up in so many different ways, you know? So yeah, I think they're just like guiding lights to me. My mom, and my mom just moved to Vegas and she keeps reinventing herself. She's in Vegas now teaching and making blouses. So we are a family of reinventions, I feel like. And um, anytime there's like the noise and the chatter of the the, uh, stereotypes of us, Somehow we always just shake it off and then we emerge anew. <laughs> I love that. Oh, it's great. I love it. Yeah, I love them so much. So speaking of emerging anew, you talk about Tila Studios. Uh-huh. What does that like symbolize for you literally and figuratively? Like, because, you know, when, when you moved to Atlanta, you started Tila. You were living in New York. You had this great job. And you said, oh, I moved to Atlanta. You started Tila. You emerged as a you know, art gallery owner, art teacher, facilitator, you know, a curator and influencer. Like, what does Tila mean for you? Girl, that was birth out of rejection. I, two years I was in Atlanta, I applied for the High Museum. I applied for every single art administrative job here that I felt like I was qualified for. I just could not get in. I could not get gain access. And so, you know, if, the, if people are not inviting you to the table, you build your own, right? So I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to build my own. And it was out of literally pure resentment. I was just pissed. I was like, I came down here to be an artist. 
everything is getting in the way of me being an artist. So what am I going to do? I'm going to build it. And it came at the pinnacle of the 2016 presidential election when Trump was elected to office. And I just felt um, compelled that our community was going to be jeopardized because of it and that people weren't going to make space for our voices, especially Black art. And so I was like, if the time to build, it's now. And I just was really grateful to be at the right place at the right time and meet a business owner who owned the building of my first location in East Point. He was a black man. And I just pitched to him. I said, hey, uh, uh, Sam, I was like, dude, I have this idea. I ain't got no money, but I just need to use the space because I need to get it out of me. And he actually was just like, you know what? You have a lot of gumption. And I'm just going to let, I'm going to give you this key. I'm going to let you test out your idea. And I never gave the key back. And like, that's how Tila got started. I was just like, wow. I just had that spirit, that fire in me. And it was birthed out of rejection and seeing the world crumble and seeing being a, I was a after school teacher and I went to go visit a school and I asked the black kids, I said, how do you guys feel right now? And they feel like, I don't, they're like, I don't have any hope. And so I was like, well, how can I keep the hope alive? Because we're going to all need hope to get through those years, those mm-hmm. Trump years, girl. So that's how Tila was birthed. Um, you know, I didn't have an intention of uh, starting a whole institution. Just gonna happen. So what, is Tila like now? what does it look like, you know, post, well, I guess we're still in the middle of the pandemic. But what girl, is now? It's I've been, yeah, I've been having to make hard decisions. Um as of late and it's we keep pivoting like this whole time I've been away in August I've just been shedding a lot of people and things and ideas that actually don't sustain our business model um which has been difficult because you just used to operating in a certain way but I think where our sweet spot is is really um the projects that we're able to do with our brands and we're like really leaning on our agency um we're opening up another store in Sweet Green in two weeks. Uh, so that's really, really exciting. We have another really big project that we're about to kick off. We're going back to Basel, hopefully in 2022. But I've just been getting very clear on what do we do and how we do it. And everything doesn't have to be done right now. And that we can kind of scale back and still have a really big impact. The biggest thing is just how we support the artists. We don't have to be in critical mass and supporting everyone. But we can support a select few and still do just as quality work. So, and I'm also looking for a more fluid life as well. So I've kind of been trying to figure out how to keep Tila going, but also do me because I think I need to make space for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where my spirit is leading. And I'm trying to figure out what that balance is. I don't have the answer today, but transitions, huh. transitions are coming. So reinvention is coming. Don't worry. Girl, all of it, all of it. Um, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna ask some more soulful questions. We'll talk another okay. work. So you're the queen of self care, and ma'am, you, your passport is probably filled with stamps and locations and things and places. You gotta you come. You would literally pick up and leave and like stay where you are. I remember like the beginning of the pandemic. I'm like, yeah, girl, we. I'm at you know Kroger again. So you're like, well, girl, you were in Africa, Tanzania. <laughs> you like, oh, I'm in Africa. I'm staying here for a month. Tiffany, we're in the middle of a pandemic. What do you mean? <laughs> so you like, well, go places and like make it like a little bit of home. Why is that important to you? And where's like the best place you visited? And it just, it resonates with like your soul. 
Tanzania, hands down. I have to move there tomorrow. Like, I love that country. Uh, it's so important for me to travel. I went to an international boarding school, and the first place I went to abroad was South Africa. Um, so the first, my first trip abroad was to the continent. And my mom told me I came back a changed woman. Wow. And so I think I've been searching for that glow, that light since I was 15. And so it's when I travel, I can also see the vastness and the expansiveness of the world. I think America wants us to feel like we're so insular, which creates a very limiting um, perspective, which we think we have to be driven by capitalism. But there's so much of the world to be experienced with simply just being and living a very simplified lifestyle. Like I literally on this 22 mile island, six mile width, go to the beach, go to the grocery store, play with my dog. And it's probably like the happiest I've ever been. I've worn the same outfit for 30 days. Um, But I think understanding that simpler ways of being actually kind of generate more happiness and you don't always have to chase things. So I travel so I don't chase things because entrepreneurship can get you in the habit of wanting more. I got to do more. I got to beat this, do this rat race. And sometimes you never wake up and just like be grateful for where you are and and where you got in your entrepreneurship journey. So I travel to remind myself that I am doing a lot. I am doing enough and I don't always have to compete and I'm my only biggest competition. So it just gives me perspective that I need. And I I hate that I always got to leave to go do that, but I just know that that's just the method to my madness. And I've been doing it for 15 years and I don't see it changing. So I love that. It's just so whimsical and magical. I love it. Um, so speaking of whimsicalness, um, as an artist, if you had to pick a color that embodies Tiffany, what would that color be and why? I kind of have an idea. I feel like I know what you're going to pick. What are you going to say, yellow? Yep. Ah, I love that color. I'm obsessed with yellow. <laughs> yes. Uh, and and I actually don't didn't like the color yellow. Um but yellow just has so much meaning for me. And I think it was encountering that yellow room in Tennessee and seeing how light I felt and how joyous I felt. Um, and knowing that that light and that joyousness has always been inside of me. I've just been looking for that. And it's ironic that like in Aruba, I'm saying at this like yellow house, like this is the painting of the house that I'm saying it. And so I think all all around I'm just looking for the color yellow and I think that is just like my internal compass to always search for the light mm-hmm. and searching for the light I think means searching for the truth mm-hmm. and so I think I'm in the constant search of the truth and that's the truth of myself and the truth of my contributions to the world and like the legacy that I want to leave behind and I think when I was like maybe 11 I wrote um uh, in a social studies class and they were like how do you want to be remembered and I was like well I'm going to be in a history book uh, I don't know what that history book was going to say about me, but I already knew that my life mattered. Um, and I think so many of us don't believe that our lives matter in this billion dollar, billion dollar, billion people world, but it does. And it matters maybe not to every, you won't touch every single one, but who you touch is so important. Um, and so it's so important to think about that and chase the truth because what you leave is the truth, right? You leave back your truth. And I just want to live like, leave that and hope that's like a, a compass for someone else to be like, let me find my truth. Like if the, my greatest achievement on this earth is just to find my truth and to find my light. I love that. 
Okay, I have two more questions for you. The second to last one is um, being where you are, you're, you know, yet ever evolving, you know, you're refiguring and rejiggering. What is one thing you will no longer compromise on? Ooh, no, one thing I'm no longer compromising on. Ooh, I feel like the list is so long. Okay, um, three. <laughs> I know. I know you got three. <laughs> I will not compromise on my mornings. Those are sacred, um, godly time. I will not compromise on um, my creative practice. So that's writing and painting. Um, and I will not compromise on time spent with family and friends. Those are really important. And the last question, which I know that you're going to love. So picture it. It's the 2022 Beyonce Welcome Back concert. Oh my gosh. And you're backstage (laughs) with Beyonce and she's like, all right, Tiffany. So you can have lifetime tickets to my concerts and you can hang out with me, Blue, Rumi and Sir for the rest of your life. You got to pick one song that you can perform full out, choreography, lyrics, and a look. What's the song? <laughs> oh my God, this is so hard. Ooh, I'm trying to, okay, so I'm trying to figure out which tour that I love the most and which outfit that I love to, the most. I may have to do Homecoming, the live visual album, because that, I can still watch that to this day, and it still just shakes me to my core. Um, And then I think um, I would do Sorry, that song, because I just feel like I don't, I'm not sorry anymore. Like, even if the things Mm -hmm. that I fucked up or messed up with, I just, I don't have it in me to apologize for the things that I didn't know. I just didn't know them at the time and I grew through them and I learned the lesson. Um, mm. And so I just feel that that song is just like my, my anthem, you know, it's just like, I ain't sorry. <laughs> you know, like I ain't gotta be sorry for being who I am. And I just feel like that album, Lemonade, especially just was her defying like all the odds and standing in her truth. And I really felt that too, but I think she told that story the best at homecoming. Um, and the outfit that I would wear would be her Oshun inspired dress that she um, wore in her hold up video. And we, we know what color that is. Yellow. <laughs> so yeah, I would say that. Cause I actually want to try to find that dress. This is amazing, Tiffany. You, you know, this was a conversation. I didn't even know that I needed because I, too, am in transit, and mm. I'm sorry about what was and what ain't and what could have been. Um, and I felt like we, you know, we're already connected spiritually, but I feel like, you know, people that are listening to this podcast will definitely resonate with it. I think it's going to be a favorite. It's definitely probably one of mine. So we might bring you back, you know. We'll have a part two. Um, but before we go, um, tell us where we can find you and what you got coming up next. Sure. Um, so you can find me at Tiffany underscore Latrice, and that's L-A-T-R-I-C-E one. Um, you can find me next. I'm actually going to be exhibiting some of my self-portraits in the Yellow Room um, on October 16th at um, the Free Market Gallery over in Howell Mill. So it's my first time doing an art show in 
seven years in Atlanta. I'm super excited. Wow. I'm, I'm nervous good. as hell. I think about tapping out every day, but I'm like, no, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, so you can find me there. And then for Tila, you can find us at T-I-L-A underscore studios. We have some really cool projects that we're about to drop um, in the next two weeks. So I hope you guys come out and support the incredible artists that we have um, in our community. Awesome. Well, I hope that you all enjoyed my conversation with Tiffany Latrice, a.k.a. Ocean, because she likes yellow and she's a godly black woman. Um, I'm going to keep giving you Mel. Make sure you follow me at Monique and Mitchell on Instagram, on Twitter at Monicacent11, M-O-N-I-F-I-C-N-T-11. Make sure that you listen, make sure that you like, make sure that you share and that you subscribe. Until next time, I'll just keep giving you Mel. Make sure you come back and listen to all these new episodes of the One Moment Minute Podcast.